Now today, I'm excited to share with you our sermon, and let's go right to our text, and then I'll get right into our theme and what we're going to talk about. Let's look at John 2. Now, I want you to wake up, all right? I'm going to do John 2, but I'm going to read 11 verses here, so stay with me. Read along with me. Let's read verses 1 through 11. The next day, there was a wedding celebration in the village of Canaan. And in Galilee, Jesus' mother was there, and Jesus his, and his disciples were also invited to a celebration. The wine supply ran out. Someone say, uh-oh. All right. The wine ran out during the festivals, and so Jesus' mother told him, hey, they have no more wine. And he says, dear woman, that's not our problem. All right. Jesus replied, my, my time, it hasn't come yet. But his mother told the servants, you just do whatever he tells you to do. Standing nearby were six stone water jars. They were used for Jewish ceremonial washing. Each one could hold anywhere from 20 to 30 gallons. Jesus told the servants, fill the jars with water. And when the jars had been filled, he said, now dip some out, take it into the master of ceremonies. So the servants followed his instructions. When the master of ceremonies tasted the water and was now wine, not knowing where it had come from, though of course the servants knew, he called the bridegroom over and he said, hey, a host always serves the best wine first. And then when everyone has had a lot to drink, he brings out the cheap stuff. That's a good party trick. All right, bring out the cheap stuff then. But you have kept the very best until now. This is a miraculous sign that Canaan and Galilee was the first time Jesus revealed his glory. And his disciples believed in him. Now, today I want to talk to you about the thought, my mom made me do it. Turn to your neighbor and say that. My mom made me do it. Now, you see a picture of a beautiful family. And if you don't recognize that picture, that's me sitting in the lap of my dad right there. Yeah, there you go. Don't you love those 70 outfits? My mom and her beehive of a hairdo. My dad looking like Jimmy Swagger. My sister cut her own bangs all crooked. I had that George Clooney thing from 1995 going on already there. But as you can see, I don't look very happy in that picture. And there's a reason behind this story, because I remember this picture, because my mom made me wear this double-breasted suit. And to top it all off, she made me wear this bow tie that was bigger than my head. And I didn't want to wear that bow tie. And I didn't want to wear that suit. And I remember us standing in line waiting our turn to get our picture made. And I was taking it off. And my mom said, you're going to wear that suit? Put that jacket back on. Put that bow tie back on. And I remember her saying, Gene. She called my dad. My dad said, I'll take care of this. My dad took me outside. And he and I and his belt had a little one-on-one -on -one conversation. And I came back in. And I sat down. And I was wearing that bow tie. On the outside, I was wearing that bow tie. On the outside, I was wearing that suit. But on the inside, I was naked as a jaybird. <laughs> and there's a reason why I wore that. Because my mom made me do it. How many are thankful for some moms that made you do it when you didn't want to do it? Today, as we get into the story, I believe sometimes we take this story and we look at it from a symbolic 
and uh, some symbols there of what, there's some, there's some greater depths there, but sometimes we overlook the very literal translation of things that went on. And so I want to take a very humorous look at this. I want to take a very real look at this story as well as the spiritual context. I want to see the dynamics of the relationships that are going on. We're in a series called Battles. And I started to make this a part from the series because it was Mother's Day. I was like, no, this belongs right smack in the middle of the series because this is a story of a battle between my mom and a son. Any parents had a battle with your kids lately? You're going to relate to this story, okay? So this is a battle going on between mom and son, and we're going to see the dynamics work out here. And I believe there's some things that are going to make us laugh. There's also some things that are going to challenge us uh, that we need to implement. Mary does a great job of handling Jesus here. And, you know, one of the things we see is that first impression only happens one time, right? You only get one time to make a first impression. That's why your parents say, look them in the eye, shake their hand with confidence, you know, say, yes, sir, yes, ma'am. Dress your best when you go to that job interview. Go. Why? Because you got one time to make a first impression. That's why we have greeters at the door, because we have one time to make a first impression for people walking in the door. It's important that we're all working together as a team. All of our leaders are everywhere working together as a team because we've got one time to make a first impression. People decide within five minutes whether or not they even want to think about coming back to this church. We've got one time to make a first impression. We've heard this all of our life. And so I find it kind of odd. Something doesn't add up here in this story. The story in the second chapter of John, we see this is Jesus' first miracle. And if it was me, I would have done a much bigger miracle than just turning water into wine. Something doesn't add up here. If it was me, I would have been like, where's Lazarus at? I'm going to raise him from the dead right here in front of all these people. I'm, I'm going to open the blind. Uh, I'm going to go out, look at that lake out there. I'm going to go skipping across the lake, you know. I would have done something much bigger and dramatic for my first miracle than turning the water into wine. I mean, it didn't happen at a church. It happened at a seven-day party celebration with people who were there partying. It wasn't, I mean, it, it was far cry from anything spiritual. You understand what I'm saying? Let's just be really honest. There was a lot of wine being drunk at this party. And it was as far away from spiritual as it could be. And Jesus does a miracle at this party as his first miracle. And so for me, it wouldn't add up this way. I wouldn't have done it this way. Matter of fact, if we can be really honest, most, most church folk today would be a lot more impressed with this miracle if he had turned the wine into water. You guys have had way too much to drink. I'm just going to turn this wine into water. But no, he, he turns the water into wine. Well, really wasn't that impressive of a thing because there was nothing really big in Canaan. There was nobody to impress there. It's not known for anything. It's a very, very small community. No one important lived there. There was no one there to impress. It's in the middle of a party. So why did Jesus choose to do his first miracle at this party? Answer is this, he didn't. His mama made him do it. She said, Jesus, it's your time. He didn't really want to do it. We see by his response, he didn't really want to do this miracle. Now, this does answer a question for me, though. 
How many of you ever thought about that? I always wondered, and just just is just my opinion. You don't have to believe this. If you don't like it, you can. I'll give you permission. Just disregard it. But for me, I always wondered what was Jesus like growing up. You know, when when the store was closed, and we don't have enough so, enough of something to drink, or we're out of milk. Mary's like, hey, Jesus, can you do that one little thing right there, you know? Okay. Just enough to last until the stores open up on Monday, okay? All right. I don't know if that happened, but somewhere along the way, she knew that he could do this. Just saying. A mother, a mother knows, okay? He may have not done public ministry and, and miracles yet, but maybe there was something going on behind the scenes that you and I don't know about. Just something to think about. But how many of us do the same thing? How many of us had to take those piano lessons because mama made us do it? All right. How many of you, my mama made me join the choir one time at church. I did not want to do it. Yeah, you're talking about, I had to join the choir at church. I had, my mama made me get up early and go to Sunday school. My mama made me get up early and go help. My mama made me get up early and vacuum the house. My mama made me, my mama made me get up and mow my yard. My mama made me. There's a lot of things my mom made me do. And I wouldn't have got done if my mom hadn't made me do it. Can we give a big hand clap for all the moms who make us? You see, a godly mother knows you got to make her son do some things sometimes. And I, I, I sometimes hear people, parents tell me, man, my, my, my teenager, I, I just, you know, just pray for them. They're not coming to church. I was like, why? Are they, are they living with their dad or mom? What, what's going on? No, they're home in bed and you're here. Well, I don't want to force God on them. Listen, you don't have to force God on them, but you can tell them, we're going to get up. We're going to be in church. Monday morning, they tell you, I don't want to be in school. You know, you're going to get up. You want to get an education? Get, listen, there's something about moms making us do some things. And godly moms make sure their kids are in the house of the Lord. Moms can't make their decision for their children, but they can have their kids in the house. Moms can point them in the right direction. Mom can say, our God is a big God. Our God is who we trust. This is where we get our resources from. This is who our faith lies in. So Mary finds out about this family running out of wine. This was a very much would have been a public embarrassment because this was a big, big deal. For a family to, to throw this kind of celebration, you couldn't get married and have this celebration unless you could afford to feed I mean, you had to provide meals all week for all the family traveling a long distance to be there. And the close friends you invited to come in, seven days of food. Good Lord, I went broke just doing one wedding reception. Can you, I can't, any dad say amen? You know what I'm talking about? Seven days of wedding receptions. So if they run out of wine, it was seen as an embarrassment. It had been a stain on the family name. Anytime anyone in that family would have been having a wedding ceremony for the future, they would say, don't go to that party. They run out of wine at that party. They don't honor their guests at that party. It had become a public embarrassment. It had been a stain on the family name. So Mary sees this. She finds it out. She goes to her son and says, Jesus, they have no wine. And Jesus says something. He says, woman, what's that got to do with me? Now, let me tell you this. 
I once called my mom by her first name and it didn't go well. I've never been tempted to call her woman. And I would tell you, you ain't Jesus, so you better not do it either. But see the dynamics happening here. Jesus, the wine's out. Jesus, the wine is out. Jesus says, woman, what does that have to do with me? I'm a grown man. Why is this my, I didn't throw this wedding party. I didn't invite all these people here. I'm not, I'm single. I'm not getting married. Why did I, why is this my problem? And she looks at Jesus. I can just imagine what she's looking at. Like, you just called me woman. <laughs> and she turns it back and says, whatever he says to do, you do it. See the dynamics playing out here. She hears this, but she doesn't respond to Jesus. She doesn't respond to Jesus being disrespectful, if you see it that way. Mary hears the problem and knows exactly who to go to for the problem. Don't, don't overlook that statement. Mary sees the problem. They're out of wine. The family's going to be embarrassed. So what do we do? First, let's go get Jesus. I wish I had some moms that would teach their children that when problems come in life, the first thing you do is you go to Jesus. The first place you turn is you turn to Jesus. The first place you do is go talk to Jesus. He cares about you, even to the point of things that are small in your life. He cares about you. We got to teach our children to walk to Jesus, to talk to Jesus, to go to Jesus. Some moms that know how to pray. Moms that know how to pray to Jesus. There's no greater gift than a praying mom. There's no greater gift than a mom who prays over you. I have a vivid memory of my mother, even though there's a lot of things that didn't go right, there were some things she got really well, and one of those things was she was a praying mom. And I can remember her waking up in the middle of the night and her praying for me and my, my sister, and she'd be praying out loud, and I could hear it would coming through my door, and she'd be in the living room praying at night, and she'd be travailing before the Lord. She'd be crying before the Lord, calling out our name and praying for us. I remember coming home late from curfew, and my mom being on her knees and, and praying and calling out my name before the Lord. I was like, God, please don't I tell my mom what I've been out doing all night. But she's there. She's praying for me. She was praying. For, it was the power of a praying mom. Listen, do not discount the power of a praying mom. Do not discount the power of a praying dad. We need parents who will pray over their children, who know it's the most critical thing we can do as a parent is to teach our children how to pray and to pray over our children. Mary knew the destiny of her son. Mary knew the destiny of her son. But there's a problem going on here. Jesus was 30 years old. 30 years old. And at this point, he had done no public ministry. So Mary was like, listen, your cousin John, you know John the Baptist, your cousin? You guys are just a few months apart. The one who leaped in his womb when you, yeah, when you walked in the room, you both could be, yeah, your cousin. He's out there baptizing all kinds of people. He's out there preaching the gospel all the time. 
Y'all are the same age, and he's out there, and he's not even the ones that the wise men came to see. He's not even the ones that the star hung over. He's not even the ones that the shepherds came. Let your cousin John get out there. He should be out there doing something. Can you see the dynamics working here? Could it be she was saying, son, it's your time. I don't want to. Son, you're 30 years old. You've been living in my basement way too long. It's time to get out there. It's time to get out. Start fulfilling your destiny. Son, it's time for you to live your God-given purpose. I love this statement. See, Mary believes. She believes in what her son can do despite what he hasn't done. She, she believes in his power of public ministry long before he ever starts his public ministry. And she was like, all right, son, you, you've been putting this off for a long time. Son, you've been waiting a long time. And can you blame him? I mean, he was fully man, but he was also fully God. Sometimes we think, well, he's fully God. He should have already been doing this stuff. Well, think about it. Because he was fully God, he knew that the fully man side was going to have to suffer much pain, much rejection. He knew the whipping he was going to take. He knew the crucifixion that lied ahead. And so I wouldn't have been in any hurry to start that clock if I was him as well. Just saying, just thinking outside the, I want you to think outside the box today. I can see that maybe he was thinking, you know what? Yes, I've agreed to die for mankind. Yes, I've agreed to be crucified for mankind for the sins of the world. But man, I ain't looking forward to that. He knew the pain that was to follow. He knew the cost of the sacrifice. And Mary's like, come on now, come on now, come on now, you can do it. Moms have the power to pray and encourage greatness out of their children. Parents, you have the power, especially moms, you have the power to see past the mess, the mistakes, see past the non-purpose in their life, and see the purpose of God in their life. It's instinct that God has given you as women. As you pray, God's going to reveal it to you. As you operate in faith, God's going to give you that power to call the greatness of God out in your children. She believes what her son can do in spite of what he hasn't done yet. Jesus, in his frustration, says, Mother, woman, what does this have to do with me? Now, if I was Mary, that would not have ended well. Mary could have said, you know what? You ungrateful child. Do you remember everything I went through for you? I had to get pregnant before I was married and had to tell everybody, it's the Holy Spirit's. Everybody was talking about me. Everybody's gossiping about me. Everybody's telling me I'm crazy. I almost lost JoJo because of you. Are you, and this is the way you treat me, call me. She didn't do any of that. Instead, let's look at her response. Because Jesus ignored her request, she ignored his response. Because Jesus ignored her request, she ignored his response. And instead, she looks and says, do what, what he says. Listen, there comes a time in every parent's life when, when your child's going to disrespect you. It's going to happen. They're going to say something that's going to be hurtful. They're going to say something that you can take as very disrespectful. 
how are you going to respond? Mary shows us how to respond here. She shows us and lives it out. She was like, let's do what he says. She didn't even, see, you can't, look, at you don't respond to your child by acting like a child. She didn't crawl down to his level. You ungrateful little thing. Let me tell you one thing. If it wasn't for me, being obedient to what God wanted to do. I mean, she could have went through all the stuff instead. She just ignores and she takes the high road. Sometimes I, you know, I see these parents at Walmart a lot. That their child's throwing a fit. And mom's throwing a fit too. And sometimes you can't tell the difference between the child throwing the fit and the mom throwing. I get it. I've been there. Five kids. I've lost my mind. My mom had a way of dealing with me in public. If I started going crazy in public, she could just do this little Vulcan claw right there on that nerve. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Digging those fingernails right there inside my neck. For some reason, it was a miracle. I stopped acting like an idiot. Why? Because it hurt. But she didn't get down and start yelling at me in front of all the people, acting like a child as well. Listen, we, we're not gonna, you're not going to influence your children acting like a child. How do you influence them? You, you speak to the greatness in them. No, you're, you're better than that. God's got more for you than that. I see greatness in you. I'm not even going to respond to all that foolishness today. I'm speaking to that God's got a purpose. Let's get going. Let's get going to God's purpose in your life. Mary doesn't get caught up in disrespect. She speaks to the purpose. And Jesus does what every child should do. He yields to his mother's request. He yields to his mom's request. He does what his mom asks us to do. But Jesus, at first, he didn't want to do it because it had nothing to do with him. That's their problem. What's that have to do with us? That's a logical answer. But see, Mary does something every great mom does. She forces Jesus to be concerned about a problem that's not his. See, every great mom, you, you're able to open up the eyes to your children that the world is just not about me, myself, and I. In today's society, we can be very, very bad at this. Our kids are raised thinking that the world revolves around them because we want to give them everything. We want to do everything for them. And there's nothing wrong with being good to your children. But we also got to teach our children that life's not all about you. Life's about what can you do for other people? How can we be Jesus' hands and feet? How can we help those who are hurting? How can we help a friend at a party? He's ran out of line today. They're going to be really embarrassed, Jesus. This is going to stain them and their children for years and years. We need to be concerned about this, Jesus. See, she was teaching him to open up and to be, to be mindful of other people's problems. See, a godly mother helps a godly mother helps her children see that life isn't just all about yourself. It's about helping others. Many not only tell Jesus, Mary, she not only just tell Jesus what to do. I love this because she told Jesus what to do. And then she says to all the people around, and you just do what I do. Well, just do what he does. You, you're also going to do it. See, a, a mom influence, and some of you got it. 
Not only will you instruct your kids what to do, but you're going to tell all your kids' friends around you what to do as well. Have you ever been around that kind of mom? You guys, you're going to straighten up, and all you kids in the back are going to straighten up as well too. Get on, come on, we're all, we all going to do the right You're all going to help out. You're all going to chip in. We're all, we're all going to do the right thing. See, a godly influence, a godly mother has influence on more than just biological children. She influences the miracle around her with all those that she comes in contact with. It's the gift of God inside you, women. Whether you have a biological child or not, God has given you the gift of influence and motherhood, and you have the ability to speak greatness into other people around you and to help pull out what God's wanting to do. Godly mothers have this influence. She instructed them what to do. Jesus turned this water into wine, and she says, you guys just do what he says to do. Because every person in life will come and, listen, there's a reason why this is important. Because in every person's life, there will come a time when the wine runs out. In every one of our lives, there comes a time when things run out, things come short, crisis hits, embarrassment hits. And you got to know where to go to. You got to know who to listen to. You got to know where your resource comes from. You got to know who to turn to. What are you teaching your children? Does your child know to run to Jesus? Does your child know that Jesus has the answer? Let's recap here. We must teach what Mary did. Teach your children how to pray to God. We must teach our children how to obey God. And we must teach our children how to trust God. Every godly mother, every godly parent, every father, it's something we must do with our children, teaching our children how to pray to God, how to obey God, how to trust God. This is my job. It's your job. The water turns to wine. When? In this story. We don't know for sure. But it says this, that Jesus tells them, go take those pots, fill it full of water. They did that. He says, now dip the water into the cup. They do that. Now take it to the head of ceremonies. I believe by reading the story, it happened somewhere after they poured it out into the cup. And when they started walking to the head of ceremonies, that somewhere along that way, that's when the water transformed to wine. It was in their act of faith and obedience. Them obeying Jesus in that fact of faith. They took it to Jesus and they... Jesus said, all right, take it to the head of ceremonies. And as they took that water, it turned to wine. And he took a drink. And he was like, listen, you guys, this is supposed to be the weak stuff. And you're bringing out the best stuff now. You're bringing out the best stuff now. And I want you to get this. I want you to understand this, that when you trust God, you find out that God will bring as much better than what you had. When you trust God, you find out what God brings you is much better than what you had. Man, I gave up that relationship for God. I promise you God's going to bring you even a better relationship if you'll stay faithful. I gave up that job because it wouldn't allow me to, to serve God the way I wanted to. I promise you God's going to bring you even a better job when you put him first. I, I, when I trust the Lord, I realize that his timing, he brings me much better than what I could do in my timing. And I love the fact that Jesus makes anywhere, did you do the math? Anywhere from 120 to 180 gallons of wine. That's a whole lot of wine. 
That's more wine than they needed for the rest of that party. But I want to, don't miss out on the miracle because when God does a miracle, it's always above and beyond what we could ever dream or imagine. He brings us even more than what we can expect. That's the blessing that comes from Jesus that God wants us to see. That God doesn't just do things in a small way. He also does things in a dramatic way. Jesus first. And I love this as our musicians are coming. I love that this miracle was done at a party. Not in the church. I love that this miracle was done in the way that covers the shame of this family. His miracle covered their shame. Because do you realize that when Jesus came and gave his life for you and I on the cross, that he now covers my shame. He covers your shame. And he says, I'm going to send you a new wine. It's called the Holy Spirit. You can't receive it in old vessels. It'll burst because you, you must prepare something new to receive my wine. So I love the story that Jesus covers the shame of this family because this really wraps, this first miracle really wraps around not only the struggle between mom and son, but it also paints a picture of how Jesus does to us when he covers our shame in our life. I want you to bow your heads. Be here today and say, Pastor, I, I hear you talking and I, I need Jesus to cover my shame. I need him to cover my sins. I've never accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. Today, I'm ready. We won't do anything to call you out. We're not gonna single you out or embarrass you. Nobody's looking but me. But if you're ready to make Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior today, just lift your hand where I can see it. And say, That's me, Pastor, I'm ready, thank you. Anybody else, raise a high, thank you. Anybody else? Raise your hand. I see those hands, guys. Thanks. Yeah, lots of hands. I see those hands, guys. There you go. Say, I'm ready. Bet you raise your hand where I can see it right now. Let me see if you haven't done it yet. We're going to say this prayer together. If you raise your hand, I want you to say this prayer after me. As Christians along, we'll say it with you as well to help you out loud. Say, dear Jesus, forgive me of my sins. I surrender all of my life to you. I believe you are the Messiah, God's only son. And from this day forward, I will live for you. I will follow you all my days in Jesus' name. Amen. If you prayed that prayer for the first time and you meant it, we say welcome to the family of God. Come on now. Give my a big hand clap. Awesome. What a great day on Mother's Day to make that decision.